0: You can turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to start in 1 Peter chapter 4 tonight, and then we'll hop around a bit uh, as we continue our series through normal church, the everyday calling for everyday Christians. Let me just remind us before we jump in the reason for this series. It all begins in Ephesians chapter 4, where we are called as believers, as members of the church, the saints of the church were called to build one another up in love that we are actually the ones called to do the work of the ministry. The leaders are called to train, and the saints are called to serve in the ministry. And so our goal in this study is how can we make that mission as Christians in a local church attainable, practical, and doable. Sometimes we can think of helping somebody else with scripture, speaking the truth in love, as an overwhelming or daunting task that is reserved only for certain people. That there's the counselors in the church, there's the pastors in the church, or the deacons of the church, and they're the ones who are going to be giving advice, they're the ones who are going to be helping. We'll leave that up to them. That's not something I'm skilled in, That's something I can do, and so I'm just going to sit back from that. The Scripture doesn't actually give us that liberty, that we are to uh, delegate that to other people. We are all called to speak the truth in love. In fact, one passage I'll read to you uh, from Romans chapter 15, verse 14, Paul tells the church there, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Paul says, I'm confident of you, church, that you're able to instruct each other. It's not just for the instructors. It's not just for the pastors. You, brothers, are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and you're able to instruct each other. And if that's a daunting task for you, if that's something that you you still are looking at and saying, I just don't know, I don't feel like I have the, I don't feel like I am filled with knowledge, which that scripture points to. Uh, You are filled with knowledge and you're able to help. Perhaps you're thinking, I don't feel like I have the knowledge necessary to help someone who's going through a difficult struggle. So how, in what way can I speak the truth in love? How can I help build up the church? Well, I think there's very practical ways of doing that, very simple ways, straightforward ways, and very helpful ways. And tonight, that's why I want to talk about how we can be helping others before you're ready. And what I mean by that is how you can help others before you feel like you have a firm grip on on doctrinal truth, practical truth, where you can really sit down and counsel somebody. Uh, We are going to lead to that, as I've been mentioning. We're going to be going toward that end as we seek to uh, actually advise, instruct, help each other. How do we do that practically? But before we get there, how can every single one of you, whether you're well versed in Scripture, whether you've had experience with counsel, Or perhaps you're a new Christian who you're still learning the names of the books of the Bible. Or, or, you know, you you know John 3.16 and a couple others, but but, but maybe you don't have the scriptural depth that you wish you had. Can you still help? Can you still build up the church? And and I'd say, absolutely. And we're going to look at five simple ways that you and all of us uh, can do that. And and on that note, even those who are well-versed in Scripture... That, that, uh, that can instruct and counsel, sometimes if that's our mindset, we think I'm reserving myself to kind of the, the more elaborate or, or sophisticated ways of serving rather than these practical, simple ways. We don't want to limit ourselves to the sophisticated and the neglect, the, the simple and the practical. So five simple ways that you can help others before you're ready. We're going to begin, before we jump in, let's look in First Peter chapter 4. Verse 7, we're going to be reading through verse 11. This is a passage that we even referenced last uh, week, I believe. We referenced it before. This is going to be where we begin as we, as we look at this, uh, at this passage. It says in verse 7, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. And above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This passage highlights the very practical and straightforward way. And you see in that passage hopefully that it's not limited to speaking advice. That's included in that. It so says in verse 11, whoever speaks is one who speaks the oracles of God. But there's also in there, whoever serves. There's showing hospitality. There's loving each other earnestly. And so there's practical ways that we all can be helping others before you're ready, before you feel like you have a grasp enough to give biblical instructions. Here's the five ways that you can help others before you're ready. Number one, help, or any, anyone can notice. Anyone can notice. Uh, flip over with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, includes a familiar passage for us, I'm sure, where we see two individuals walking into a church and receiving very different treatment. Verse 1 says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those which are, who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom? which he has promised to those who love him. But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? So this passage emphasizes the intentional partiality based on an individual's image or status. And this partiality is revealed in who you pay attention to. Verse 3, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing. And in verse 4, we see that the problem with this way of thinking is that you have made distinctions among yourselves and have become judges with evil thoughts. And this rebuke is interesting. And it teaches something about how we should view others in the church. He calls them out for simply making distinctions among yourselves. This implies you should not be making distinctions among yourselves in the church. Do you do that? That person is worth my time, that that person's not. I notice that person, I ignore that person. While there are differences in appearance and status and wealth and age and gender, none of these differences should result in a distinction of treatment. Because this person has this status, or this age, or, 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 or this level of wealth, I'm gonna treat them a different way. And so you wanna know a really practical way that you can build each other up in love? You can notice. When you enter the church on a Sunday or a Wednesday, are you noticing? Are you looking? And sometimes we just kinda of enter and we, we're in our own bubble, you know that? Like, I feel that way sometimes when I'm between the, the double doors and the coffee maker, over here, I, I, you know, it's just, you're in the haze, you're in the fog, and, uh, and you don't notice people. And oftentimes, you can just breeze right by opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. Imagine being in the shoes of this poor man in shabby clothing. Let's kind of put it in a modern-day perspective, okay? Let's say that this man in shabby clothing enters this church, Let's say he's been searching for answers answers deeply discouraged about the difficulties in his life. And he hears about a church gathering together. And he's heard that this is a place with answers, with the truth. And in addition, it's a place of love. This is a place where people are serving each other, praying for each other, loving each other. And so he musters up the courage and he enters the building. And immediately he's met with a bustle of activity. People are walking by, going from one place to the next, and no one has noticed him. No one has acknowledged him. So he continues on into the main auditorium as the service is about to start. He's kind of pulled in at the last minute. And he wanders down the aisle looking for a place to sit. And no one acknowledges him. No one invites them to join their row or shakes his hand. And by this time, the service has started. He's still standing in the aisle, looking around. He does the awkward loop around the auditorium in one last effort to find a seat. And again, no one sees the problem. They're too busy worshiping. And finally, he gives up. He walks back out into the hallway, and an usher says, you know, sit thou here in the overflow room, right? Now imagine how how different the experience would be if a well-known figure, celebrity, or online influencer entered our building, all right? Fill in the blank, Okay. Would the reception be different? I think so, right? If it's someone who's noticeable, who's well known, a popular celebrity, definitely the reception would be different. And James's point is saying it shouldn't be different. And I don't think we notice that we're doing that until we're faced with that contrast in James chapter 2. James makes the point in verse 5 that paying no attention to the poor man while paying attention to the rich man is to dishonor the ones whom God has honored. And so he's making the point, do you realize that God has shown more honor to that poor man than you are? And so do you want to help before you're ready? Then notice people. Go out of your way to smile and welcome that individual who might be overlooked. (laughs) Have the courage to approach that person with their head hanging low and say, hi, notice people. And this is the great thing. It does not take much to do that at all. Again, we've talked about this before. God's blessed us with a friendly church. I'm thankful for that. And many people walk away saying that I was blessed by the, the hospitality and the kindness. But I don't know if, if you've, seen, every, every now and then, right, it, it, you might see a guest come in and kind of look around and kind of have that confused look on their face. And people are, just, are breezing by and doing their thing. And, and, and no one stops, no one says hi. We need to notice. And I think what might be more common for us than this maybe intentional partiality that we see in James chapter 2 is the unintentional partiality, right? It's it's not the fact that we're kind of judging people all the time and deciding who we want to talk to and who we don't. I think sometimes we're just just inward focused, right? We don't have the awareness to notice those who are alone. I think we've mentioned this before. I I can't place the the name of the person who gave this quote, but a person sitting alone in church is a tragedy. I think that's a good way of phrasing it, right? Someone who's alone in the church is an emergency. And so have certain people become perhaps invisible to you? Do you notice people when you're walking down the hallway? Do you notice people in the auditorium? Do you notice people out on the patio after the service? Teens, do you notice the visitor and youth group? do you notice your peer who sits alone? Are you noticing? Or are we simply just going about our business, doing our thing, and and, and missing out on the incredible opportunity to show the love of Christ to those who just need a quick hello? It's the easiest thing to do, and it's something anyone can do. Anyone can notice. So maybe you can't sit down and open a passage of Scripture and expound it and apply it directly to their life in the way that's going to revolutionize their entire spiritual walk, but you can walk up to someone and say, Hi, my name is fill-in-the-blank. How are you? Anyone can notice. Number two, anyone can invite. For this point, I'm, I'm, I'm referencing back to 1 Peter chapter 4, where he says, Show hospitality to one another, without grumbling. And, and this maybe is one step past noticing, but it's something anyone can do. Invite others into your life. Maybe this looks like inviting them over to dinner, inviting them out to coffee, inviting them to a park with your kids, invite them to your table during church family dinners, invite them to your road before a church service. 1 Peter 4 says that this hospitality is an outflow of loving one another's earnestly. It's opening your homes to one another. And that's what the, the, name, the word hospitality means in its essence, but the principle can be applied to any tangible way you can meet the physical needs of somebody else. And Peter is particularly nosy here and tells us to do it without grumbling. Which means, that, that word for grumbling literally means like muttering under your breath or complaining. In other words, Peter's saying you're going to be hospitable to each other and you are going to like it, all right? <laughs> Why? Well, that's because that's what Christians do for each other. We model through our actions the love of Jesus Christ. And if we are not willing to give of our time and resources for the good of others, then we will most likely not be willing to speak the truth in love to each other. And here's the point. Instead of jumping straight to the sit-down counseling session, Let's start with the basics, right? Let's start with the the bare minimum, you can say. Noticing people, inviting people, welcoming them into your lives. You can be a tremendous help to someone by simply noticing them and inviting them. Notice, invite, number three, anyone can listen. If you don't know what to say, there's good news. You don't have to say anything. One of the best indicators that you genuinely love others is a willingness to listen carefully to them. Turn over to the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is a great book that talks about listening and how this impacts our relationships. Proverbs chapter 18. And I want, as we look at these three different Proverbs, I want you to think how this might show up in your relationships in the church. (laughs) your conversations in between services or out in the playground. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Perfect verse for social media as well if you're wise, this passage is saying, you'll listen. You'll actually take pleasure in listening. Seek to understand the other person before trying to express express your own opinion, and so just ask yourself in your interactions with other people in the church, what do you take joy in? Do you take joy in making sure they hear your opinion, or what you did, or or, or where you went, or anything like that, or do you, you, that, which is fine to sh- talk about those things, but do you actually find more joy in actually hearing them, in understanding them? Look down in verse 13 of Proverbs 18. I'm sure many of you have heard this one before. If, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and a shame. So if you want to speak the truth in love, if you actually want to give good advice, good advice is dependent on good listening. You will never be effective in speaking the truth in love if you aren't willing to listen. In fact, if you start giving an answer before you've heard the matter, it's a folly and a shame. And then skip ahead to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. And look in verse 5. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5 says, The purpose in a man's heart is like a deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. And this is where listening actually becomes a a bit of a skill. You know, listening is a learned skill to listen well. That each one of our hearts, last time we looked at our hearts and, and how we should speak to the heart, But our hearts are complex, aren't they? The matters of our heart run deep. And it actually takes a lot of understanding and wisdom to be able to draw that out of another person. What if you made it your goal in your interactions with others to understand them more rather than having them understand you? Ask questions that get to the heart of who they are. Here's a great question to ask yourself. When you walk away from a given conversation at church with another believer, ask yourself, did I ask a single question about them? We're experts at expressing what's important to us, but, but not so much when it comes to drawing out what is important to others. And so ask yourself, did, did, I, did I ask any questions about them? Did I ask them, you know, what they've been doing with their week or, or what they enjoy or, or how they're handling the trial that they're going through? Are you asking those questions? You, know, you have no idea how much help you can give someone simply by genuinely and carefully listening to them. There's been times where I've, I've sat down with, with friends and I'm ready to think, okay, how can I how can I give advice? How can I give good advice? And, and they just start talking and they share with me the difficulty that they're going through. And I don't have any good advice to share in the moment. And I feel bad about it. And I kind of walk away from that conversation thinking, man, I didn't give any golden nuggets of truth that transformed their life. That was a, a wasted conversation. And they'll, they'll tell me afterwards, thank you. That was so helpful. I'm like, what? <laughs> what did I do, <laughs> right? I just, I smiled and nodded, right? I'm like, yeah. Um, well, I, you know, you, well, you listened, right? You listened and you heard what was going on in their life, and that actually is incredibly helpful. By seeking to understand their struggle, you can sometimes convey more love than profound advice. Now, again, our mission is to speak, and I'm not, neg- I'm not negating that fact. Our mission as a church is to share the truth of Christ to others, to build each other and edify each other in love. And in order to do that, you need to say words, right? There needs to be things, words coming out of your mouth. You need to convey truth to each other. Listening isn't sufficient in and of itself, but, but listening is the absolute best way to know what to speak. And sometimes just listening can make a difference in and of itself. So even if you're not ready to give advice, you can listen. You say, well, what if I listen really well and hear all about them and I have no clue what to say, I have no advice to give, what do I do? It's really simple. Anyone can pray. What is the first responsibility that we have toward each other? Turn back to the book of James, James chapter 5. James chapter 5. When we bear each other's burdens, when we go to each other and express our needs, that's one of the first messages that we walk through in this series, being honest enough to share the everyday experience that you have going on in your life. When we're doing that to each other, what should be the response Of us to each other. Look in James chapter 5, verse 16. He says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and what? Pray for one another that you may be healed. And then the final sentence says, "The The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So, what if someone opens up? You listen, and let's say they're even confessing their sins to you, right? I did this wrong, I blew it here, man, I ruined this relationship. I, 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 I'm, I feel guilty before God. What is your first responsibility? Pray for them that they may be healed because the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. In fact, you might say there is more power in the words you pray to God on their behalf than in the words you say to them in counsel. There is the prayer of a righteous person has great power. And it's through prayer for one another that we are healed. Again, we must speak the truth in love to one another. But if you don't feel like you're ready to give good advice, there is great power in prayer. And the responsibility of church members is to pray pray for each other. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, There first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people. Pray. I'd encourage you to be intentional in your prayers. One way to do that is to attach the spiritual need connected to the request itself. Oftentimes when we get requests from people, many of them, most of them, are physical and circumstantial in nature, right? This this arm is hurting. I have this sickness. um, I'm going through this circumstance right now. And that's good. We can bring those up. We can pray for those. But when you pray for those physical and circumstantial needs, attaches the spiritual need to it as well. In other words, you know, let's say that so and so fell and broke their leg. All right. Sometimes it's hard to know how to pray for things like that. You know what I mean? You know, Lord, so and so broke their leg. Just be with them, Lord. Just help their leg get better. And help them, you know, be back to normal soon. I'm not, I'm not saying you can't pray for that. But I don't know if you've been like me. You, you, you're just not quite sure how to approach some of these requests. How do I pray intentionally without just kind of going through the motions, you know? And one way that we can be intentional in our prayer is, is to attach what spiritual needs might be connected to that physical need or that circumstantial need. You know, so and so just fell and broke their their leg. Lord, as they wait to recover, I just pray you would encourage their hearts in your Word. That even as they're they're kind of uh, they're they're laid up for a while and they can't move, maybe even God, would you help them as they have more time to pray, have more time to read the Word, that you would guide them to your truth, that they would testify to your goodness to the the nurses around them, that maybe that they would even have a heart of thanksgiving to you who gives them internal peace even when life is difficult. Help them to sense that peace. Help them to know that peace even though they're going through a trial right now, right? There's just a little bit more intentionality to a prayer like that when when it's not just help them get better but, Lord, help them get better and help their spirit. Help their soul. It's hard to say that you love someone if you aren't praying for them. And And it's hard not to grow in your love for someone when you are praying for them. And so I'd encourage you, on this this note, don't make I'll pray for you an empty promise, right? It just rolls off the tongue so easily, doesn't it? I'll pray for you. It's even worse that sometimes we say, I've been praying for you, and we haven't. Don't make that an empty promise, you know, sometimes if you're if you're worried about forgetting, do what you can do. You can pray with them there. Hey, let's just let's pray real quick. Ask God to help you. Pray for others as if their healing and help depended on those prayers. Because there's a lot of scriptures that imply that it does. Pray for them that they may be healed. Because the prayer of a righteous man avails much pray for each other. I think we trivialize prayer. I think, well, this is kind of like the the thing I do when I can't do anything else. I guess I'll pray. (laughs) I can't offer real help, so I'll pray. Scripture says the exact opposite. You need to be praying fervently for each other, praying at all times with all prayer and supplication. Keep alert with all perseverance. Make supplication for the saints. I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and and thanksgiving be made for all people. Pray for each other. Notice each other. Invite each other. Listen to each other. Pray for each other. And finally, anyone can read. I mean, at least hope. Most most of you can. The kids were already dismissed, so that makes it easier. (laughs) Let me explain what I mean by this point. This, This is a way that you can actually speak the truth in love before you're ready to give advice on your own. Where is truth found? The Bible. When we speak the truth in love, it must be scriptural truth. We aren't called to give our own opinions. We're called to impart God's opinion on things from his word. And here is incredibly good news for you. You have the whole book in your lap or on your phone. And I want to pitch an idea to you. One that I think if we as a church latched onto, it would make all the difference. Getting with somebody else and reading the Bible together. Getting with someone else and reading the Bible together. Maybe you don't feel like you're ready to sit down and counsel someone or to walk them through a passage and explain all the intricacies of the doctrine in it to give them wise spiritual advice that will transform their perspective. But here's something that you can do. You and someone else agree to meet together a few times to, let's say, read through a short book of the Bible, like four times going through the book of Philippians, one chapter each time. Each time you meet, you you take one chapter and you take turns reading a portion of that chapter out loud together. And then using, you remember, the have you heard of the prayer method, ACTS, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication? Have you ever attached that to a passage of scripture? It's actually kind of fun. Be looking for things in that chapter that prompt those four responses. So what in this chapter prompts adoration? Reading through Philippians chapter one, what truths do we see in there that prompt me to glorify God? How does this chapter compel me to confess? Maybe there's an exhortation or a warning in that passage that that I see in my own life I need to confess. What can I give thanks for in this passage? How does this chapter fuel my supplication, my requests? And so you read the chapter together, you're thinking about those four categories as you read, and then you discuss with each other what you noticed, and then take time praying through those things together, right? No, no, uh, No counsel is given there's no counselor counselee, no mentor mentee. It's two believers getting together and reading the Bible together. Is that doable? It absolutely is doable. It absolutely is doable. And by doing this, you're actually speaking the truth in love to each other. But you're letting God's word take the lead while both of you follow. Neither one of you is the counselor. You're simply looking at the Bible together and taking, talking about what you read. And just imagine for a moment if this was just happening all over the church in different ways, with different people, in different formats, in your workplace, at home with your kids, people reading the Bible together. And that's sprinkled throughout the congregation. In fact, if you want one simple resource on this, I meant to put it on the screen, but I'll read to you the title of a book written by author David Helm, entitled One-to-One Bible Reading, A Simple Resource for Every Christian. One-to-One Bible Reading, A Simple Resource for Every Christian. It's a short, simple book that talks about how you can put something like this into practice, getting together with another another believer and reading the Bible together. Everyone going to the Word of God, speaking the truth in love as you seek God's Word uh, together. So you can help each other before you're ready. And as we consider these five ways, let's just put them all together. Notice people. Look around you. See someone alone. See someone you haven't met before. Notice. And then let those connections lead to invitations. Welcome people into your home and into your lives. Learn to listen as you share those conversations around the dinner table or over coffee. Commit to pray for the burdens you hear as you listen. And then look for opportunities to read Scripture together. You can see the sequence from the initial to the final. Again, I I, want to continually bring up what we set out in our Vision Sunday in 2024. Find one person to reach and one place to serve. These five points can become five simple steps that you can take to find that one person to reach. Notice, invite, listen, pray, read. And again, imagine if people all throughout our church were doing this. When you're coming to the congregation on Sunday or Wednesday, you're noticing, you're looking. You're looking for opportunities to show hospitality. As you you interact, you're listening and learning. And you're looking for opportunities to read Scripture together. Imagine the cumulative impact it would have on the unity and love in our church as a whole. And I think if this was the pattern, a a couple times ago, we talked about the culture of a church. How do you create a culture of a church? And we saw how it's, uh, how it's seen in the, just the sound bites that you hear throughout the church. is The truth of scripture and what we're called to do filtering down in just the normal sound bites of church life as people are loving and serving and helping each other. And I think if, if we did this, if we, if we looked for ways to help before we're ready, Ephesians 4, 15 through 16 would come true. Speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You are a part of that body, of this body. Are you working properly? If you're not it's impacting the body's ability to grow. And if it's all of our responsibility, then it has to be attainable. It has to be something that the new Christian can do, the experienced Christian can do. And anyone can notice, anyone can invite, anyone can learn. listen, anyone can pray, and anyone can read. Start helping before you're ready, and we'll see the church continue to grow and build itself up in love. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would guide us as a church family, that we collectively would do the work of the ministry through our normal interactions with each other. Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to be aware, to notice, and that those interactions and opportunities will lead to discipleship, lead to encouragement, lead to speaking the truth in love. Lord, we thank you for giving us your grace that by your spirit we are able to instruct one another. We're able to build each other up because of your spirit who's in us. We thank you for that gift and I pray you to equip us that we would take this task seriously.